Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. My name's Jeremy. And we're here today to talk about X-Men number 42, the March 1968 issue, titled, If I Should Die! Exclamation mark. Not a hoax, not a dream, not an imaginary tale. This is for real. The cover says, The Death of Professor X. And it almost looks like the X-Men comic book was renamed The Death of Professor X, <laughs> which would make me <laughs> expect that every single issue from here on out features a new Death of Professor X. Yeah, it's got very little type. It says, the X-Men featuring the death of Professor X. And it looks like he just basically fell out of his wheelchair here. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how he's going to die. But uh, I guess we'll find out here. Uh, Beast... And the X-Men, our heads are a mixture of angry and shocked. <laughs> yeah, Beast is... I mean, look, folks, you know, if you're adverse to foul language, I'm, I'm just going to say it. Beast looks pissed. <laughs> Everybody else has got shock and anger, but Beast, he is livid. Warren looks pretty ticked off, too. Eh, yeah, but not as mad as the Beast, I'm telling He's you. He's like, get back in that chair, old man. <laughs> We're not through with you. <laughs> yep, okay, well, let's, uh, I'm... I'm and Cyclops is just like, zoinks! <laughs> I'm preparing myself for a gut-wrenching tale of a team's mentor passing on to the the next chapter of his existence. So uh, I've got my tissues ready, and I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm frankly, I'm ready to shed a tear because it's been 42 issues of the X-Men, 43 if we count that event, uh, that X, um, that Fantastic, Fantastic Four, Four episode. Yeah, yeah. So I've grown to admire and respect and, and even a little bit come to care for Professor Xavier. So much like... Oh, the end of uh, Where the Red Fern Grows or Old Yeller. I'm looking for a, a little a heartstring to be tugged. Oh, I, I, uh, I'm exactly the opposite. I can't wait for the old bastard to croak. <laughs> Won't give him any money. Always <laughs> boss him around, being all cryptic. He's old. He's just like a senile old man. All right, well, two sides of a coin here. It's a little crazy. I prefer to see the positive side, Adam. Well, good for you. <laughs> I don't know why you expect to see this man die and why you're so happy about it. Did you not get enough hugs as you were growing up? <laughs> no, I, you know, he, the professor is just holding them back. Okay. Okay. I, I predict that after the professor croaks, there's going to be a resurgence of amazingness in the X-Men comic. Well, I would presume that when the professor dies, I mean, he leaves the mansion to his cat or something, and then the X-Men basically disband and, and go their separate ways. And it's oh. the end of the book. Well. Welcome to possibly the last episode of The Danger Room. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get into it and find out exactly what we're in for here. Uh, it's the story we never expected to print, If I Should Die, and it was um, written by Roy Thomas and written, drawn by Don Heck, the master, the Marvel masterwork, it says here. I would argue that. <laughs> well, you know, it's one of those keystone issues. Hmm. It's clear to be a cornerstone of the um, Marvel X-Men Universe mythology. Yeah, uh, it's going to be an event that no one will soon forget and will be referenced back to uh, many times, much like the Phoenix uh, or um, the Galactus's first appearance. That's what this is going to be like. Remember that time Professor X died? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was rough. Um, okay, I can count all of those on one hand, I think. It made me very angry. Says Beast. So, Angel and Iceman, if you will remember, had come back to the mansion to confront uh, the Professor and Marvel Girl and say, hey, we need some assistance here. This grotesque guy, he's a little bit too much for us. But Marvel Girl was like, no, I'm not going to do it. The Professor told me to stay here. And uh, Angel's like, what? I don't think something's up. What's wrong with you, lady? And that's kind of where we left off, and that's actually kind of where we're picking up. 
and uh, Angel is has snapped. He's uh, he's pretty upset. Yeah, he is, and he says, "Look, we're fighting against the subhuman called grotesque, and you won't even come with us." Um, it, yeah. <laughs> Iceman's a little cooler head. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah, that's punny. And uh, he's like, maybe there's an explanation. But then Warren's like, yeah, well, then let's hear it. But it better be a Lulu. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, he, get, he sounds very angry when you, when you put Lulu at the end of your threatening <laughs> sentence. And Lulu. there you go. We're kind of somewhat caught up. We go to the next page and Marvel Girl is comfortably reclining against a armoire or something. Some sort of shelf type thing. She's taking it in stride. She's like, oh, whatever. This crazy Warren, he's not, he doesn't offend me at all. He's not scary. I find her body arm, body arm, I find her body language very confusing here because she's kind of projecting this, whatever attitude when she's generally never like that. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? She's posing. Oh, okay. Uh, Well, boys. (laughs) Angel's not having any of it. He's like, look, I don't buy your story, and I want to see the professor. Angel thinks something's up with Marvel Girl and the professor, like perhaps somebody's switched out their bodies or something. Maybe. Don't push me too far, Warren, says Jean. And then the professor shows up. Yep. Never mind. I'm back. Hey, everybody. (laughs) What's Uh, going on? It's okay. It's cool. It's cool. Let's go get some popcorn, catch a movie. And uh, so he says, I'm back. Uh, Iceman says, Professor Javer, you said you're back. Then you really were gone. Wow. <laughs> totally don't trust Jean Grey. <laughs> well, we needed all of that. Oh, Jesus. Right. Oh, every, you, you've explained it with your three words there, Professor. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine. Let's go back to grotesque now. So I guess uh, uh, the professor says in a manner of speaking, he was gone. But then he just kind of says, but let's let's move on to other uh, topics here. My solitude accomplished its purpose. Yes. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an old man, and an old man's got needs, all right, son? When you're my age, you'll understand. The opportunities are few and far between, and when they come up, you got to go for them. <laughs> all right. So anyways, the uh, professor's like, ah, you know, don't worry about Cyclops and Beast. They're, they're fine. They can take care of themselves. Angels and Iceman freak out. No, no, you didn't see Grotesque. He's stronger than us. And the underground civilization that he comes from. Wowie zowie. (laughs) Man, Marvel Girl is like, but you're forgetting yourselves. This is Professor Xavier you're talking to. (laughs) I'm not even sure of that anymore. (laughs) I'm not sure of anything. (laughs) How can we be sure? The angel kind of infers. Uh, but he, all he knows is that he's going to go back and help Scotty and Hank, even if he has to go alone. To which the professor kiboshes, no way, you stay, it's an order, and you have no choice. Yes. Sir, but and you can't mean that. And then he orders Gene to hold them in place if they try to leave. Uh, Iceman and Angel have a little whisper conversation. Angel's, or Iceman's kind of like, come on, man. Professor's probably got a plan here of some kind. Angel's very skeptical, and he's like, what about Jean? I thought she loved Cyclops. Yet, he may be facing Grotesque right now, and she isn't lifting a finger. Cut to Grotesque, slamming Beast into an invisible wall. Yes. Fack. Fack, it says. Now, if you'll remember, um, last issue left off with Cyclops and Beast standing facing Grotesque, and Cyclops saying... No, Beast, we need to face them together. Oh, yes. To which you well, said something about, uh, you, you. I think you practically bet me that that would not happen. Yes. <laughs> okay, you win. I don't know what we bet on that, but you're right. <laughs> you looked ahead last right. week. <laughs> Beast went ahead and attacked by himself, and now he's getting tossed away. Pretty much, he's pretty easily beaten. Yep. These first three panels. But then he, then he starts getting a... Some some adrenaline uh, or something. Yeah, or some sort of adrenaline rush, and he he gets a few punches in, and then he gets knocked upside his head. It there's five panels on this page, and four of them feature uh, Beast getting wailed around in some fashion. 
Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. It's and the. And then he's unconscious at the end of it, or, or I yes. don't know. He's out for the count. He disappears for a page. Yes. The next second, the ape-like X-Man proves to be have been a depressingly accurate prophet as fall puny human. Okay, so he falls down. And you're right. The next page is Cyclops shooting at Grotesque, but Grotesque dodges. Throws some sort of machinery at him, causing him to flip upside down. Cyclops is always getting flipped upside down. He hurled that piece of machinery like it was a toy. Had to do something I never did by f- before by using my eye beams like rockets, hurling me out of the way. <laughs> okay, so he did like a backward somersault flip by propelling himself with his eye beams. Is that what you gather out of that? Yep. Oh, crazy. <laughs> and uh, a, a new technique for his uh, heat ray that. <laughs> Or his eye beam ray that we will never see again, probably. <laughs> oh, I, I I don't know about that, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they'll file it with the same power where he can hold back blasts by shooting his blasts against other people's blasts. That'll come back, too. <laughs> come on. It will. It's a whole repertoire. Uh, okay, so he shoots Grotesque with the full dose of his optic blasts. Which seems to put uh, Grotesque out for the count. At least he... He disappears, mm-hmm. or he doesn't disappear, but he starts walking away. Yeah, um, let's see. Then Beast returns to the page, and uh, Cyclops says, Are you ready for action again, Mr. McCoy? And uh, Grotesque gets a vision of somebody who looks like the professor. <laughs> No, no, that's the scientist guy from the last <laughs> issue, not the professor. It's the scientist, remember? The guy who's like, I'll show you I can create an oscilloscron that will do something to the earth. And Look, the other... all I'm saying is this silhouette <laughs> looks bald to me. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. I'm sure it's not the professor. What would he be doing causing tremors that would uh, antagonize this grotesque guy? It wouldn't make any sense, would it? They could have just given him some... You know, nice cohesive hair. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so yes, uh, there's a man who is working some controls and grotesque uh, says, well, I got no time to waste with these guys here who I've pretty much defeated anyways, and off he goes. Launching some smoke pellets into the ground. Where is he getting these pellets from, by the way? From his belt. What? Does he have uh, a utility belt? Yeah, well, he, according to Cyclops, in the next panel, he tore one of the studs from his chest plate, and it set up a smoke screen. Okay, well, I didn't see that, but all right, whatever. So apparently this smoke screen uh, solidifies itself within moments after passing through it, because uh, the beast lunges towards it and hits it and repels backward. Grotesque suffocates to death. Caught in his own smoke screen. (laughs) (laughs) The end. Well, so much for the professor dying here. Oh, it looks like he dies of natural causes. Okay. (laughs) He chokes on a jelly bean. Uh, Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) So uh, Cyclops is trying to work his way at this solidified smoke. And he's, Using his hands and not his blast ray. <laughs> yeah, not not shooting at it, just pick, <laughs> picking at it with his fingernails. <laughs> um, it's like he's feeling for a doorway in the smoke. He is so, solid smoke. Yeah, and he's just as confused as the reader is, wondering uh, why did he flee. None of this makes any sense. But grotesque says, if that vision was true, then my hour of ultimate triumph. If my vision was true, then my hour of ultimate triumph is at hand. Right? Is that how he would sound? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay, well. All right, fast. At last I shall have revenge. Revenge for the underground atomic blast which shook my civilization in days blah, 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 <laughs> grotesque. <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so then we go back to the mansion uh, and... Um, it's basically, there's a lot of words here, but it's Angel, Beast, and Cyclops. Okay, Beast and Cyclops, they come back to get kind of a status update from uh, Angel and Iceman. And they discover that Marvel Girl is holding the two of them, Angel and Iceman, hostage. Mm-hmm. To which they're like, what? Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, and then Cyclops says, there must be some reason. Wait, here comes Gene now. 
Uh, so she he, wasn't doing a very good job protecting the two of them. No, she wasn't even in the room. It was, yeah, it was more of a threat. And then I think she went away to make some sandwiches for the boys or something. And they're like, should we make a run for it? No, 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 no. She's coming back with sandwiches. We'll eat the sandwiches and then we'll make a break for it. So she comes back and says, uh, oh, I was so worried about you. And Cyclops is a little skeptical after hearing the story that he just heard and says, well, I'll take your word for that on the present. But for now, I need to speak to Professor Xavier. And this is where Cyclops' <laughs> second personality takes hold. Because Marvel Girl says, I'm sorry, Scott, but you can't. Cyclops says, can't? When the safety of the entire Earth is at stake, nobody says can't to Cyclops. Not you, not even the professor. Now stand aside, I'm going in. I'm going in. <laughs> <laughs> to which Jean Grey telekinetically picks him up and tosses him all over the place. <laughs> Swoosh! <laughs> Yes, it kind of reminds me of Back to the Future 2 when Marty McFly's like, Chicken? Nobody calls me chicken. <laughs> Cyclops is can't? Nobody tells me can't. He's got one of those. It's his keyword. <laughs> yeah, yeah, trigger. Nobody word. says can't to me, punk. <laughs> you feel lucky, bub. <laughs> uh, okay, well, anyway, so she's basically got Cyclops uh, hovered in air, and uh, Iceman's like, what, are you going to keep us all here? Where's the and professor she's like, gone? I'm, I'm following the professor's orders, boys. And uh, wait a minute. Oh, I just got a telepathic command to tell, that tells me to bring all of you to him at once. Okay, so pretty much all of this was worthless, and I didn't have to swing <laughs> you around and tell you, use your trigger word, can't, Cyclops. <laughs> can't? Did what? you say can't? <laughs> no, he says can't to Cyclops. Oh, give it a rest, Cyclops. <laughs> Can't you see we're busy? Oh, did Can't? you say it again? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then we move to uh, Grotesque, who is ripping apart a wall. And he he's... has reached the place that he seeks. And uh, he, I guess this is the lab, because strange vibrations are coming from this place. And, oh, no, they're within his brain. Yes. Here he's I... following with a... He's following vibrations in his brain. brain. <laughs> and as you can see on his uh, chest plate, one of the studs is now missing. Oh, he's only got five studs and not six studs. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Well, that's good continuity. He says, here he shall find the man-made device which can create earthquakes, uh, which shall be the instrument of his vengeance. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. And he finds a man who is operating controls. And look at that, Adam. That's not the professor. He has no, hair. No, it's not. He's got hair. Look at it. I don't it. know why he didn't have hair in the other panel, but he, he definitely has hair here. All right. So the subhuman dude who's called Grotesque says, This is what I desire, this accursed machine. I shall obliterate your entire planet. And that's when the man with hair says, So your <laughs> motive is revenge. Just as I suspected, then there's no longer any need for this disguise. And he pulls off his mask to reveal that he no, is... No, he just pulls off his hair in his glasses. <laughs> <laughs> and to, to reveal that he is indeed the professor. So Which... <laughs> in the previous panel, he just hadn't put on his hair yet? <laughs> Look, Adam, I don't even know why he felt he needed to wear hair in the first place. <laughs> and sub, this grotesque guy never even saw that original scientist guy. Who who is yeah, he? Who? Well, and presumably it was to fool us, the audience. But it looked like the professor in the other panel. They made him bald. Look, I don't. None of this makes any sense. There's, there was no need for him to be dressed up in a uh, with a wig and glasses. So grotesque tosses the professor aside, and it appears that his only motive for doing this was to obtain the truth. You know, <laughs> which uh, I, I thought we pretty much already knew that his, uh, if, if, if the, for example, if the professor would have just listened to Angel and Iceman <laughs> at the first page of this comic book, uh, he probably could have avoided all of this and not have been thrown around like he did in the next panel. See, this old man does not trust anybody. This guy should die. <laughs> just Just for poor planning. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, so he, he gets punched backwards, and he says that uh, he must manage to fall lightly so that he can attack him anew with a mental bolt. Okay. Adam, last time you fell, were you able to control whether or not you fell hard or fell lightly? <laughs> <laughs> Why, yes, I was. Oh, nice. Okay. Because I don't have that ability. <laughs> 
All right. So it's just as the professor fears some uncanny instinct seems to be guiding him to the control panel. No, there's no uncanny instinct driving him to the control panel. He knows because of this stupid old man that this control panel contains the earth-destroying machine, and he's going to pull the lever because he wants vengeance, and he's wanted it ever since the beginning of the last issue. So the professor drew him there, basically giving him the ability to pull the lever. Yes. If he hadn't... Oh, boy. This guy, this guy should die. Now, now, now look how many um, uh, rivets or, or orbs are on his uh, chest plate there now. Well, there's still one missing, but he seems sick. He's, it's six. It's it's like the, the stud is moving. Yeah, he gained two more studs uh, above his belt that weren't there before. So before well, the studs go all the way around to the back. No. So they go on his shoulders. Yeah, but if you go back to the last panel, he clearly has five. I know, I know, but and this now is, he just has, a, this is a different like? angle where you see the one that you normally wouldn't see. No. Nope. That's higher up. No. Yeah. No, go look at page seven. Top panel of page seven. I'm saying the one that isn't there moved down, and there's still one missing. <laughs> uh, no. Go look at page seven. There's two on the right side of his I saw armor. page seven. I pointed it out to you. Exactly. Now you look, and there's three right there, and there's no hair covering anything. He just magically gained two more but orbs. there's a spot in between two of them. Well, there is, like as in like he was supposed to have eight, and now he has seven, but before That's he clearly had... That's where the missing had, one is. Had him. He he took it off from the one spot and put it onto the other spot. This is bad continuity. <laughs> I take back what I said earlier. Uh, okay, so um, he's right. My mental probing earlier proved that the oscillatron could truly tear the Earth apart. So it's a good thing I brought him here so he could pull the lever. <laughs> uh, oh, I gained... Ent- ah, here here we go. He gained entrance here disguised as the inventor because for some reason his mental powers to uh, mind white people weren't working. Then he took off his his hair so that Grotesque could get a vision of him. And then he put his hair back on. And then mentally called Grotesque here. Uh, I hope to handle him alone without endangering the X-Men. But I failed. Is Why me- is he endangering the X-Men? That's all he does. <laughs> That's his whole role in life. <laughs> I've decided to form this team. Why, Professor? I just like endangering young people. Would you go a step in front of that car? <laughs> no. All right. Um, he must prevent Grotesque from pulling the switch. Well, actually, he said he hoped to handle the X- this whole uh, thing by himself. Um, what did he hope to achieve, and how did he hope to hit? Ha- What's his plan? His plan was maybe he could reason with Grotesque. He was like, eh, maybe he doesn't want, maybe the X-Men are totally wrong about this guy, and he's a really peaceful dude. That was his plan. Okay. Okay, well, so the next instant, with matchless speed of pure thought, the professor strikes. This must be his uncanny plan. He He grips, uh... Let's see. He grips... Grotesque freezes in place. Yeah, something... Like a hand of strongest metal holding him back. Right, so we can... voice inside his brain bids him turn away from the machine. Mm-hmm. But he, he starts resisting it, to which the professor must concentrate harder, and then harder, and then even larger text, harder! But... At the fateful, (laughs) but at the fateful crucial second, grotesque pulls the handle. It is done. Thick, and the world explodes. And that is that, listeners, is how the professor dies. Yep, and uh, the the whole world with him. (laughs) The rest of the X Men, and I don't know why they focus on the professor. (laughs) Um. So a kaleidoscope of color appears. The uh, Scylatron hums into vibrant, menacing life. And uh, apparently the Earth vibrating machine takes a few minutes to warm up or something because (laughs) the Earth hasn't quite blown up yet. Um, It's uh, vibrating down to the core of the Earth when suddenly Angel shows up. Well, is that what's happening here in panel three? Is is the Earth-destroying machine going up or down? I think it's going down. Really? Because there's, there's like an... Ex- it's, a, it's a weird drawing with the... Uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. I think it's going down, but I, I can see an argument for it going up. <laughs> it looks like we're in China and the blast is going up into the yeah. core of the Earth, but whatever, it's, it's a bad panel. <clears throat> Anyhow, so uh, Angel does show up. He does. And uh, the professor says, you, man- you must manage to turn off the device somehow. So that's his plan. <laughs> I just, he has no plan. <laughs> I just need to wait for Angel to show up and tell him where the control is, and Angel will turn it off. Angel's got two balls of light that he's carrying around, or I guess they're solar orbs, which the professor uses to store the sun's energy for his experiments. Wow, the professor is ahead of his time. We're talking solar panels here. You know, just at the beginning of last issue, if they'd have just thrown something in there real quick, like, oh, team, come here. I've designed these solar orbs to collect energy for my experiments. Then I could buy this panel, but I don't because that wasn't there. And it's just like, okay, well, how are we going to have Angel do something? I know. Let's give him little solar balls to blast at the uh, grotesque guy. (laughs) Solar balls. (laughs) It seems like a cheat. Does it not? <laughs> I, 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 at this point, I'm I'm okay with it. You're okay that he just found these balls laying around? He's like, hey. Let's move the damn story along. When's the professor going to die? <laughs> at this point, I'm not going to cry at all, I don't think. <laughs> wow, we're not even halfway through the issue and you've totally... Uh, <laughs> Done a 180? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, his plan here is that uh, the since grotesque is subterranean a creature of darkness the solar orbs would momentarily blind him which it does in time for beast to show up and tackle him ambush him from the back um which almost works except that beast has a problem in this issue where he can't do anything right now and yeah grotesque tosses him into angel now will you look at uh the orbs that were in angel's hands Uh uh-huh they don't look like orbs anymore. They look like discs. Yeah, they they do. They should have been called solar discs, <laughs> but they're not. They're solar balls. <laughs> okay, so, uh, and then as you can see, the angel loses his solar disc ball. In... Yeah, and in that panel, it looks like a tomato. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Is it colored red in yours? No, it's colored purple in mine, but it's got the little tomato wedgie things in there oh and mine it's colored red that's weird so it looks more like tomato here uh so he gets flung into angel um the grotesque is he needs a smoke pellet so that he can obscure the action so he grabs one off of his uh smoke uh his his chest plate yeah, well, Which, he hears a he hears a noise from behind him, and it turns out that Cyclops was sneaking around to shoot him in the back, and that's when Grotesque whips around and grabs one of his little disc or his orb things. Cyclops manages to shoot his hand, causing him to drop his smoke pellet, which might cause it to go off, I would think, but I guess not. They got lucky. Yep. Yep, uh, and this is when Marvel Girl shows up and wants to know if the professor's all right. Um, she says, uh, don't worry about me. Uh, look, we have to get the oscillatron, and Scott's got grotesque, uh, confused, or... Uh, Pull the lever! <laughs> Basically. <laughs> and she says, it's no use. Grotesque must have somehow jammed the lever. It won't move. Even my telekinetic powers won't budge it. Okay. So Cyclops is still goofing around with Grotesque, sending more blasts at him. Grotesque has a a smoke pellet in each hand now. Mm -hmm. Apparently, um, Grotesque can absorb the optic blasts and hurl them back at Cyclops. Mm -hmm. So that's nice. Iceman uh, covers him in ice, uh, which I'm sure will work this time. (laughs) (laughs) So he's got different kind of studs, apparently. Yeah, these he's got are... smoke pellet studs, and he's got uh, absorb redirect studs. Yeah, these are. Who knows what other studs he has? He's got reflecting power studs. So he collected all of Cyclops's energy and shot it back at Iceman. And in the next panel, he has no studs on his costume. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, the yeah, you're right. Uh, so then the professor 
is uh, reminding us that the oscillatron is a- a- approaching maximum intensity, and if they're ever going to stop it, they must do it now, within seconds. You know, it's been like this for for pages now. <laughs> I know. It's like this is the slowest machine ever. But uh, So uh, Marvel Girl couldn't move it with her arms or her telekinetic power, but for some reason the professor says, well, if you bombard the machine mentally with all the intense concentration you can muster, Gene, then you might be able to do it. Which mm. I don't know how that's any different than just her using her telekinetic powers, uh, but she tries. Is this maybe the first telepathy we see of Jean Grey? Oh, I don't know. If you can telep- telepathically speak to a machine, then perhaps. Well, the professor sure can. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's the professor. And I don't know what you're talking about. Jean Grey never gets telepathy. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, so th- th- there's more intensity going on here. The machine does appear to be slowing down. Uh, but the professor says, well, uh, yeah, but it's not enough. We're still going to lose the entire eastern seaboard. Stay back. I'm moving in closer. So somehow the professor's going to lend his strength to this uh, effort to pull the lever. Luckily, he's using his mechanical legs. Yes. So he gets to walk in. Although last I think we heard, weren't they broken? I don't know. He just randomly uses them and doesn't use them. <laughs> okay, so yeah. Maybe that's what he was doing in the lab, was fixing them. That could be. That was what he was doing in solitude. Yeah. He must succeed. He must, or else within seconds the machine will reach the critical point. It's working, Professor. The earth tremor is lessening in force. Yes, but not fast enough. Must concentrate harder, harder. The next this few issue moments. This is brought to you by the <laughs> word harder. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's, uh, it was a little um, uh, risque for the uh, 60s there, but uh, the next few moments will be decisive. And so. So somehow they didn't show it, but Grotesque got out of the ice, uh, that ice man trapped eh, him in. You know, he just kind of flexed his muscle in the ice shatter, just like everybody does. Probably. Um, Cyclops says there's uh, uh, no way we can get through that barrage. We're kept at bay by the power of my own reflecting optic beams, to which I say, why don't you stop shooting then? (laughs) (laughs) Not only that, but Grotesque has Angel by the wing. Oh, man. I wish he would break that wing. (laughs) Grotesque notices that the vibrations of the machine are diminishing, so he gets all upset and starts spinning... (laughs) Angel above his head. <laughs> <laughs> well, fast enough that we can't make out any details of Angel. Presumably, he's swinging him by his wing, so that's got to hurt. Yeah. He's basically swinging him like Thor swings his hammer. Right. Look like he's going to fly off now with the angel. Um, and so then he hurls the angel at the rest of the X-Men. Hey, look, Cyclops shot him in the wing again. Yeah, he doesn't even stop shooting. <laughs> he just keeps shooting. Oh, wait, but this time, ah. got to use my I-beams just right to slow Warren down without hurting him. Zach. Lots of uh, new uses for Cyclops' I-beams. Yeah, this from a guy who claims he can't control his power. You're right. Grotesque heads off to the professor and says, No, you shall not stop my fatal plan. The professor says, No, there's no way we need to destroy the Earth. No reason. He easily tosses the professor aside, and then he starts ripping the machine apart, which I don't know how that's going to help. <laughs> Maybe he just wants to break it so badly that it continues working. I don't know. <laughs> uh, at last he shall have his revenge, uh, and he will perish in the Holocaust, but that's okay because everybody else will die, and the machine must generate more power, more power. The Earth and all its teeming millions must die. The machine must work harder, harder. (laughs) The device is exploding. It can't end this way. I must have revenge. Revenge. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Grotesca's dead. And to really literally like that, somebody here, I don't know who it is. I think it's maybe Cyclops says, uh, Grotesca's finished. The explosion killed him. Yeah. So he's a goner. Yep. Which is just as well, just as well, because the X Men would have just let him go. Is this the first villain that dies in a comic book? And I mean, in the X Men, maybe. I don't um, think any of the other villains. Well, no the uh, the the guy, the Factor Three guy, died. Oh, and then Bolivar Trask also died. Okay, so we've had a couple of deaths. Well, Bolivar Trask 
Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, um, easy girl. Uh, the professor's right here. He's he's alive, but just barely. Oh no! The professor was too close to the explosion. He's he's not gonna make it. Don't say it, professor. You're gonna be okay. Quiet, Warren. <laughs> Let me Let speak. Let me speak. That's an order. My my last order. Oh. Oh my. <laughs> Even as he's dying, he still manages to be a uh, irritable <laughs> bastard. Uh so the subhuman called Gro so he basically tells us everything we already know. Yep. Was the last of his race sworn to perish on a desecrated earth. Radiation from underground atomic tests. I mean, we just talked about that like seven pages ago. Uh, must have destroyed the whole race, deformed his body and his mind. I sensed this, and I hoped to defeat it before my time was up. Okay, so he knew he was about to die, so he thought that he would stop grotesque. By himself. By himself. Okay. So he was going to die anyway. So that kind of takes away the excitement of this death. I, I, all right. <laughs> So that's why you and G- you had Gene hold us back. Why you'd been driving us so hard these past days. It's the only explanation. You knew that you were dying. Yes, Scott. Of an illness even I could not cure. It but, was harder. But <laughs> so much harder. <laughs> but we stopped Grotesque. He didn't destroy the Earth. We won. We... Professor, Professor, Xavier. And then someone says, suddenly he's so still, so unmoving. <laughs> as if suddenly. he as if he has no movement about him at all. As if the movement has left his body. Hmm. Suddenly someone is pointing out that he's not moving anymore. He's unmoving and still. Harder? No, no, just unmoving. <laughs> Warren, is he he's gone. Then we get a full Page splash panel featuring the boots of grotesque. The dead boots of grotesque. Angel carries the dead body of the professor away. Marvel girls crying. It's very sad. Marvel girls crying. Psychops looks normal (laughs) because his eyes, you can't see his eyes. Iceman cries a single tear which freezes to his face. There is a time for words, a time when they can lift men's spirits. Or change the shape of history yet unwritten. A time when they can explain away, and a time when they can offer the balm of solace to the aching heart. Take it, Adam. But as the shocked and saddened X-Men watch the tearful angel lift the limp form of Charles Xavier from amidst still smoking debris, it is a time for naught save silence. That's enough for him. (laughs) Next, and now Magneto. Oh, Oh, no. How will the team take on Magneto without the professor? Well, we killed killed the professor, but at least we get an issue with Magneto. Hey, that means that the issue, the the story's not over. Wait, why is that? Because there's going to be another issue. There's going to be an issue 43. Oh, so the X-Men will continue on without the professor? Yeah, they'll probably get jobs, they'll get apartments. They'll have to. It's going to be like the adventures of the X-Men day by day. (laughs) How will Cyclops make rent this week? (laughs) All right, folks. Well, there you go. That's uh, that's how Professor Xavier dies. The end uh, of an era. The end of an era, yep. Uh, I wish I could say it meant something, but (laughs) based upon that story, his death is completely meaningless. Yeah, well, still, it must have been shocking for the 1960s viewers. Whoa, they killed off Professor X. That's crazy, man. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I liked him for 41 issues. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, not only did he not end up sacrificing himself, but uh, he, he, what did he, he died of a, a just cancer, basically. Well, he sort of sacrificed himself. I mean, he tried really hard to sacrifice himself. <laughs> I'm going to get really close to the explosion, and at the last moment, I'm going to get knocked over. <laughs> That'll show him. Oh, we won. We, oh. 
harder. <laughs> well, anyways, as short as that was, that means that there's a follow-up story, everybody. Yeah, the end or the beginning, it's called. Hopefully it's the end, because I'm actually a little tired of this story as well. And they've only <laughs> been giving it to us in five-page chunks. So where we left off was the Jack of Diamonds became the Living Diamond. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much where we left off. The Professor and Cyclops are working together. Yep, uh, and he, yep, here he says, uh, well, this is actually, we should start with the uh, uh, introductions. This is a Roy Thomas Werner Roth four-part fantasy inked by Herb Trimpey, who goes on to be an artist of Transformers. Oh, yeah. Lettered by Al Kruzrock. Who, Kruzrock smash! <laughs> who goes on to do nothing. <laughs> uh, concluding the origin, or uh, concluding the untold origin of the X-Man called Cyclops, in case you didn't know. So, the living diamond now is just kind of standing around in his glory. I feel so strong and strange, kind of woozy. And uh, the professor pulls up and, you know, the living diamond is kind of disappointed that he didn't kill him. But I killed him. Yeah, you'll remember that he was racing a Jeep last issue. Yep. <laughs> uh, this is him showing up after the race. He's way out of breath. Uh, uh, anything I could reply uh, uh, to that, Winters would have. Uh, 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 and it goes on like that. It's really bad dialogue. It's been aptly stated by Mark Twain. Yes. The rumors, rumors of, of his... my death have been greatly exaggerated, I believe he's referring to. Yes, yes. That's better inferred than said, Adam. He could have just said that. <laughs> it's, less, <laughs> it's less poetic this way. <laughs> uh, okay, so he came here. Uh, he he hasn't come here to harm him, but to help him, Professor, to the Living Diamond. And, and he's like, "No man. way, man! I'm gonna smash you and end your meddling for good." Diamond Man, smash! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Cyclops, the professor's, the professor's mental bolts can no longer penetrate his brain. Yep, because he's made of diamonds now. That makes perfect sense. Uh, Cyclops is hiding behind a tree and decides that the time is now for him to jump in and help the professor. Zot! Brack! It's the kid! Fires hitting the, hitting the living diamond, and <laughs> the living diamond staggers, and they run away. Yep. Cyclops and the professor. Yep. Or I guess they run inside. And there's a giant machine here. Wow, there's lots of machines in these comic books. You ever notice that? Oh, no, never. Okay, so the steel door ought to keep the living diamond out for a while, but what is this place, Professor? Uh, have you ever been here? And he's like, hardly. I've been a recluse. I've seen nothing <laughs> much at all. Um, sad. So sad. That's why he's crazy. As for the machine you see overhead, it's some sort of ultrasonic vibration inducer, which I mentally probed earlier. By the um, way, how do you <laughs> feel about Professor X being dead and now he's back already? Even though it takes place in the past. Feels like a cheat. Yeah. We still get professor adventures. It's like he's dead, but he's not really dead. I mean, we still get to hear stories of him. Yeah. Well, anyways. That's Uh, the way to do it. That's the way to kill off a character, I guess. Next time I uh, write my comic book, that's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to kill them all off, and then they're going to live in only flashback. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I remember this time, this team I used to work with. They're all dead now, but here's what they did. It was wonderful. You could start out with everybody dying in the first panel. <laughs> Just create a whole universe that way, and everybody dies, and then do everything in flashback. That actually is kind of a neat idea, don't you think? Yeah. Okay, we should do that. Okay. Uh, anyways, the professor says that this inducer thing is the only thing that uh, may help them defeat the living diamond. The uh, living diamond, meanwhile, is coming through the the door. He's smashing through. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I guess he's ripping the door open. Mm-hmm. Solid steel. Rip! I'm moving slower than ever, but you're trapped in here with nowhere to run. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's right, sir, but there's no way out except past him. Well, they couldn't take the door that... Well, whatever. Uh, but his eyes feel rested now. Should he try to blast them again? Professor says, no. 
You could, could only delay him, and not we would, stop him. And we wouldn't want a minor delay that would give us a little bit more time to help us in our plan. No! I'm just going to make you feel bad, you <laughs> stupid kid. <laughs> uh, now go over there and push buttons. Which the side? professor has very little social skills. <laughs> well, he's been a recluse for quite a while. Yeah. So the uh, so Cyclops goes over to the machine and starts flipping buttons. He's uh, not quite certain what the professor expects, but he'll follow his le- uh, orders to the letter. <laughs> Even at this point, Cyclops doesn't have Cyclops doesn't have any free thoughts about himself. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What you want me to do? Push what? Okay. Yes, sir. Uh, only if only his plan, whatever it may be, works. So the living diamond is about to smash Professor X in the back. Doesn't care that his back is turned to him. He's uh, he's fighting dirty. Yep. And the professor tells Scott to turn on the vibration device, which he does. It um, causes the living diamond to vibrate, which causes him to to stiffen mm-hmm. and get harder, harder. <laughs> And harder than ever. He can, can hardly har- move him. Gotta try harder. Harder. <laughs> no, Winters, don't. You've got to surrender. Go limp if you want to survive. Give it up, the living diamond. Go back to being just a flunky, a nobody. I'll never do that. I'll smash you first. I'll- so this is a guy who's got mild telepathic powers. What else did he have? He had diamond hands. And apparently that was a flunky and a nobody? Yeah, uh, he didn't know how to use any of that, I guess. He was like, oh, I can barely get it to work. I'm such a flunky. I want to be a diamond. I would rather be a solid diamond. <laughs> okay. So anyways, yeah, he he's going to smash him first. But as he tries to go and smash the professor and Cyclops, we hear a loud karoom. And apparently the living diamond exploded. Too late. Can't help him now. Must get out of the way. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The professor sounds really broken up about this, but yeah. He's gone blasted into atoms. He doesn't even shatter into like a whole bunch of diamonds that the professor and Cyclops could collect and sell on the black market. He literally just what? disappears into atoms. I'm totally betting that's what happens. I bet there are some diamonds there. Is that how the professor got his fortune? Yeah, basically, uh, there are a ton of diamonds, and the professor is making Scott see only atoms. Aha! Uh-huh. He's like, look, look, boy, look, just just atoms, right? Right, right, He blasted boy? into atoms. There's nothing left, right? Right? Yeah. yeah. Yes, professor. Uh, yes, professor. Exactly what I see. Wait for me outside. <laughs> Go warm up the car, boy. Ah, <laughs> oh, finally, I'll be able to pay off that mortgage. <laughs> Those debt collectors are ruthless. I've been a recluse because I've been avoiding the bill collectors. Hmm, maybe I can turn Scott into a diamond. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, so he says, he, he's like, well, I tried to save him by capturing him so I could study his radioactive disease. But he wouldn't listen and became his last and first, or his first and last victim. I believe that's exactly how the professor says it, too. Like, <laughs> eh, I tried really, really hard. And they talk some more, and then Cyclops starts whining. I'm still alone, even more than ever. Jack Winters, the man I thought was my friend, tried to kill us both. Now, at what point did he think Jack Winters was his friend? It seemed that their relationship... Yeah, the relationship started with him fooling the boy into the cabin and him being like, I don't know about you, Jack. You seem a little weird. It's a retcon. Cyclops just did a retcon. (laughs) Within, like, nine pages of his own (laughs) origin story. He was my friend. We used to collect stuff together. All right. Well, he has nobody to turn to and nowhere else to go, so he he'll he'll go with you. Nobody can help me now. Nobody. And apparently, the professor's like, uh, "You can come with me. You can ride in my car, but there will be absolutely no talking in the car because the <laughs> cyclops says, Professor, we've driven all this way in silence. Can't you tell me who you are and why you've brought me here?'" Yes, Scott, now that I've had the entire drive to formulate my thoughts, and I've been holding your mind shut. (laughs) I like boys. I'm not going to hide it anymore. I'm a silly old man who has a fetish for boys. Uh, okay, Professor. Now put on this tight uniform and prance around in front of me. And that's the origin of Cyclops. (laughs) Pretty weird, huh? (laughs) I didn't think it would go there. 
Uh, no. Uh, he says, yes, Scott, now that I've had time to formulate my thoughts, I have a challenge to make to you as soon as we're inside. That's just Hope like the inside. That's just like the professor. <laughs> no time now. I'll tell you in a minute. You're right. <laughs> Can you get inside in 10 seconds? Go. <laughs> uh, okay, so he explains... Presumably, he explains that he wants to form a team of super mutants to uh, find other mutants and keep the Ooh, world safe. That sounds familiar. Why, this is the origin of the X-Men. Hmm. Then you intend us to form a group of mutants, each with some extraordinary power, and you want me to be the first member? What do you say? Are you with me, lad? He- you know it, sir! <laughs> you will be the nucleus your name shall be Nucleus. <laughs> you shall be the Nucleus around which I shall build the group. So he already kind of knew that he was going to become the deputy leader one day. Yeah. Hmm. And in short order, he puts on his costume, and uh, the professor says, I shall have to remain in the background, but not you. Therefore, this disguise will hide your true identity because everybody knows who so- Scott Summers is. Yeah, somebody who has no family whatsoever. <laughs> the only person who knew what your true identity blew himself up. We better protect that identity. Yep. So we get a little uh, instruction on how he uses his um, his optic uh, visor. Uh, professor says, well, first you turn the studs of your visor backward. That lowers the shield of transparent ruby quartz in front of your eyes. Now with your eyes open, tightly closed, blah, 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 the studs forward. Then on the count of three, your eyes will... There's a lot of explanation here, but uh, that's how he uses his optic blasts. Yep. Turn a stud to open it, open your eyes, turn a stud to close it. So that means, dear listeners and Adam, that every time Cyclops wants to use his optic blast, he has to have at least one hand free to operate his visor. Yeah. I Just make a mental note of that as we move forward, I, I guess, because... Oh, I, I am... Okay. <laughs> and so he's like, well, that's great. I hope and pray I'll never let you or my fellow mutants down. And at some point he changes his clothes, climbs a tree, and sulks. And the professor names him. Um, because your eye beams seem to emanate from one gigantic orb, I shall call you Cyclops. That's awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think we could have done without that piece of the story, but... Whatever. I mean, naming the poor kid Cyclops. He's already got enough hang-ups. <laughs> no kidding. You're a horrible monster that lives in an island. <laughs> You're a Cyclops. I believe in the Professor Xavier's goals uh, to seek and to put an end to the distrust between mutants and homo sapiens. Still, perhaps one day I'll lose my superpower, which makes me a menace to all who are near me. And I hope and pray that day will come soon. As useful as I am to the professor, I would rather be useless. Next issue, in a in answer to about a zillion letters, the secret of Cyclops optic blasts. Which I thought we just learned, but hey, <laughs> I guess there's more to it. Yeah, I guess. That's why it's called a secret. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess we had so many action-packed pages here that they couldn't fit on another page of the super secrets of his optic blasts. Yeah. Ah, yeah, there you go. There you go, issue 42 in the bag. Uh, as you go through the letters, uh, we also hear uh, a little spoiler or teaser for next issue. It's not all about uh, Cyclops optic beams and Magneto. It says, bereft of the Professor X's leadership, the grieving X-Men face Magneto, a titanic twin-barreled smash, plus beginning the origin of Iceman. It's almost as if they're going through these origins one member by member. Ah. Oh. Say it ain't so. <laughs> Get used to it, because it's coming. Well, there you go, folks. Um, the death of Professor X, the conclusion of the origin of Cyclops, and our 42nd uh, issue. Can I just say, I predict he'll be back. No. Once something happens in the Marvel Universe, it stays, and it never gets undone. Really? The Professor will remain dead for the entire run of the X-Men comic books. Wow. Just you wait. That's impressive. (laughs) Because there's no way it could be anybody else posing as the professor because we saw him use his mental power. 
And mm. I know of no creature that possesses the ability to alter his appearance and mimic powers. Hmm. I'm just saying <laughs> it would be impossible for him to come back to life. That's all. <laughs> impossible. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> okay. Now that we've got that squared away, we had some a little bit of activity in between episodes. We had some letters from Facebook. Uh, Edward Gibson III, the third, writes, Thanks for recapping the series from the start. I've started my own reread from about 170 to current, and you guys are a great and entertaining way for me to reread the very start of the series. Yeah, excellent. Very fun and entertaining, and you make the late hours at work when I'm grading papers or making lessons plans fly by. Now that I have, now that it's summer, I've got to catch up. I've gotten to catch up even more, and I love it. Keep up the fun commentary. I think it's really cool that we get to hear when what uh, people are doing when they're listening to this podcast. I think it's cool that there's a teacher listening to a podcast about comic books because when I was growing up, there was definitely no teachers listening to co- podcasts about comic books. <laughs> Folks, if you're uh, if send send us what, what you're doing when you're listening to the podcast i'm curious yeah yeah i imagine most people are sitting in their cubicles or whatever listening to the well, podcast we've some cool ones we got recovering from surgery we yep. got painting a house and That's grading cool papers and grading papers now anything else on the facebooks yep we got we got a response to uh our call of should we do the x-men season one yep and from Arthur W. Painter, who says, I vote no. Oh, okay. <laughs> I glanced through it and it seemed like a lukewarm mishmash of the first dozen issues. The Stan and Jack stories weren't great to begin with and putting them in a stew pot doesn't improve them much. Hmm. And he talks about another series called Professor X and the X-Men, which sort of did the same thing. Wouldn't recommend reviewing them either. And then he goes on to say, when we get to the Claremont run, he would recommend rereading Classic X-Men alongside the original issues. Classic X-Men reprinted the Claremont run, but ran with no ads. The extra room was taken up with a few pages inserted in this original story, usually by the original artist. These new scenes added some background information or fixed some minor continuity issues. And the best thing about them was that they were written by Claremont, drawn by, drawn by John Bolton. The second stories were... Continuity-wise, they take place around the time of the issue. And uh, what do you think of that? Um, I, I used to read classic X-Men a little bit, I mean, to fill in some of the gaps. I didn't realize that there was uh, panels between the panels, like director's cut type stuff. I think that'd be kind of hard to do. So I'm not, I'm not sure if that's accurate. But the backstories were pretty cool. You know, the backstory is like four or five pages of like how they got to the thing that they were doing. Right. Or what were two other X-Men doing at the time that, you know, some X-Men were stuck in a Shi'ar spaceship or whatever. So I would, I would you know, if we could get our hands on some of the classic X-Men books, I would read those backstories in, in tandem with the the original, uh, original issue. And as far as Professor X and the uh, X-Men go, I thought that that was supposed to try to cover that gap between when the X-Men were canceled and Claremont, or um, not Claremont, but Giant Size X-Men number one came along with uh, when, I can't remember his name. Anyways. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I Len, don't know. Len Wine, didn't he read, uh, he, he wrote uh, Giant Size X-Men number one. Yep. Yeah. There you go. <clears throat> almost, uh, almost lost a little faith in myself there. <clears throat> Whoa, you almost became a non-nerd. <laughs> yeah, anyhow, uh, I read a couple of Professor X and the X-Men comics. I think I have the first five issues that I bought, and uh, I stopped because I don't recall them being all that entertaining. And I don't know that they actually add anything, so I might just as soon kind of try to limit things to the original runs, you know, not the retcon stuff. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm not really. We'll uh, we'll get to it when we get to it, and we'll decide when we get to it. But yeah. you know, send us send us all your thoughts, uh, people out there. If uh, we may not take any of them, we may take some of them. You know, who knows? There's also a five issue miniseries in which they redo all of these origins, 
uh, and uh, they have um, uh, different artists and write. It's a five issue miniseries, and then each issue is done by a different artist writer combination. Hmm. I have I have the trade paperback. It's it's okay. You know, maybe maybe when we forget these stories and we want to do, we have some extra time and we want to do some offshoots, then we'll maybe crack those open. Maybe we'll have to see. As far as season one goes, we'll probably make it a short five minute review if uh, Jeremy ever gets around to reading it. Yeah, that's that's that'd be kind of like the side cast, all right? So that would be like episode whatever dot b. How's that sound? It'll be. No, a- I think I think we should just do it five minutes at the end of an episode. Okay. So we also got a little note on uh, the iTunes. And it was from Rosa Tau. Toe? Rosa Toe. Very entertaining. Hope they keep it up through the entire series. So thank you very much for that. I hope we also keep it up through the entire series. Yeah, what a feat that would be. Can you imagine? (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot of comic book reading. Yep. Well, so that, I guess, will wrap it up for us. I don't know if there's anything else really to say other than you can reach us at uh, www.redcapproductions.com forward slash danger room. Facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast. You can email us at red, your Danger Room at redcapproductions.com. And you can hit our Twitter feed at Go Danger Room. At Danger, Danger room, room Go. At Danger Room Go. And before we were we recorded this episode, I was going to tweet that we were about to record this episode and I forgot to. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. Because we actually so have <laughs> we actually do have a couple of Twitter followers and, and I think the only thing we tweet is like, hey, new episode, so eh, whatever. Indeed. Well, alright. Until next time, the danger room is closed. When I die in the name of the rain.